Thank you for listening to Resonate Sessions. As this is a new show, we need your help to get the word out. Please tell your friends and share this show on social media. Also, if you haven't already, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps. In conversation today with Jacob Dahl, the Resonate site pastor in Ellensburg, Washington. All right, Jacob, for those who don't know you and your wife, Jessica, you were the first planters that went out from Resonate as a part of 21 by 21. You have been in Ellensburg, Washington at Central Washington University since then. Tell us more about you. Tell us about this decision to move, what the process has looked like, and what's happening in Ellensburg now. Yeah, thanks, Brian, for having me on today. Um, It's been a long, long story uh, for my wife, Jess, and I. Um, the last seven years or so. Um, so we both graduated college from Washington State University back in 2009. At the time, Resonate had just planted only at uh, WSU and U, and U of I. And so at that point, um, you know, we were 24 years old, got married in 2011. And uh, in the process of about two years, began praying and, and talking to Keith and Josh and some of the pastors about what it could look like really to, uh, to church plant. And at the time, again, it was the, the, the concept really wasn't a thing both in our own minds or in um, a grand scheme of things when it came to resonating strategy, because it was still a pretty new idea for us. But um, long story short, um, Jess and I, over the course of uh, 2013, um, came on staff with Resonate Church developed a team, um, recruited people to come join us, and moved to Ellensburg 2014. Um, In May of 2014, with about 15 of our friends, so that that included uh, about five students who transferred from WSU to to Central, um, about five full-time staff, and then about five uh, young professionals who got jobs in the city. Um, Since then, God's been gracious to our church beyond measure. Uh, We've seen um, over a hundred people get baptized and saved wow. in our church. Uh, we've so seen uh, a church plant um, be sent from our church in Ellensburg to plant a church over in Monmouth, Oregon. Go Wolves! Uh, Go back Wolves. in 2017, uh, and then just this last summer, sent the team over to Bozeman, Montana, to plant at Montana State University. Go Bobcats! Uh, so, yeah, God's been gracious, man, to see three churches planted in a matter of about five years. So you've not just parented a church now you've grandparented a church at this point yes yes so what's cool too is that uh we'll see a church plant coming out of monmouth down to ashland oregon um this uh lord willing this year uh barring any covid stuff but we're hoping to see really resonate the resonate network's first fourth gen church plant um, out of grandparenting yeah it's great Jacob, let's talk a little bit about calling and the idea of crisis revealing calling. How, how did you determine that you guys were supposed to church plant? And then how could someone like me, someone like who's listening in to the Resonate session for all of us, how do we determine the idea or understanding of calling? It's a great question. And a question that a lot of people have a hard time knowing how to determine the answer to. And uh, so for me, you know, the idea of, of being a church planter or a pastor was never in my galaxy of career <laughs> options when I was growing up. 
That's big galaxy. College. Yeah, that was never a thought. Never once considered the idea of ministry. So for me, um, you know, I, I had this spiritual awakening in college that resonate my last semester of, of school when God radically saved me. And so I, I really um, was new to the church game, new to resonate um, all in a matter of, of weeks and months. And so when I came to Christ, um, I was 21. And, uh, and at the time I was, I was studying engineering um, at WSU. And so I had this, this grand uh, dream of being an engineer in downtown Seattle, um, making lots of money, walking to Pike Place. I had the whole thing visualized in my mind, making lots of money and making a name for myself. And, and all of a sudden, uh, if you guys are aware of, of the timeline, about a little over 10 years ago when um, this happened, uh, the economy crashed, the housing market crashed. And so right in the middle of my senior year of college, 08, 09, is when the wheels start falling off um, our economy. And so all of a sudden, um, a shiny engineering job is not waiting for me upon graduation. So, so in the middle of that, I have this spiritual crisis as well. And so I'm, I'm all kinds of disoriented. Mm. I'm, all ki- I'm, all, I'm all kinds of confused and have no idea who I am, have no idea what the world looks like, have no idea who God is as well. So in all of that, in all of the, of the swirling chaos, God met me. And first and foremost, um, most importantly, saved my soul and rescued me out of my sinful, broken state. And really my, a selfish ambition, a selfish career choice that I had, I had built my empire on myself. And so once, once uh, graduation hit, um, this kind of almost coincided with a, a spiritual awakening. And so therefore I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore about my career, about money. Um, all I care about now is um, learning more about who God is and more about this church and resonate church. So I, uh, I applied, um, to be an intern with resonate, um, upon graduation. It wasn't my idea. Somebody, my friend, Amy Martin put me up to it and she just said, Hey, you should, you should try this out. I was like, you don't know who I am. You don't know what I've been a part of the last couple of years in college, but I applied and, uh, nobody else did. So they had to accept me. They had to hire me. So, so <laughs> you, you were the had, lone one, huh? I was the only, only applicant I think that year. So, uh, I had no ministry experience. I was a brand new believer. It took a risk on me and praise God in the long run, it worked out. But for me, I spent, I spent two years in ministry, uh, interning over at uh, the university of Idaho. And, uh, I really, um, for lack of a better term, failed miserably, mm. like just nosedive, um, did not know what I was doing. Granted back then, you know, we had no on-campus strategy. It was just me and my friend out there trying to meet freshmen and share the gospel. And if you know me at all, uh, it's, it was a very extroverted driven work and yeah. I'm not that guy, not an evangelist, not an extrovert. So I burned out, just said, you know what, maybe that ministry calling thing isn't for me. So I went back to work at WCU actually for a couple of years, um, working as an engineer in this kind of sports science laboratory on campus there. Um, it was a fun job, got to blow up baseball bats all day with high speed cameras, um, good money, good benefits. Um, but I found myself after two years working there, Again, everything makes on paper made sense. I was living, I was activating my gift set in college. You know, I'm, I'm living, um, working a great job. But after a couple of years, I began to have this restlessness in my soul. I began to just almost an angst, a soul level angst. Like I was not put on the earth to be an engineer. Some guys are, some guys I work with are, are brilliant. 
and I'm not, I'm not, or I'm not, I'm not in the same way. Yeah. I'm not wired. I'm not wired in the same. I don't, so I realized this on a plane actually one time, uh, my boss and I were flying to, uh, to this softball tournament, um, to collect, uh, just data on this game. Um, and so on the plane, I, I kid you not, I look over on the plane and he's reading in his free time, mind you, he's reading a book about thermodynamics and I'm, I'm not. And I'm you're not. not that's that's I'm not, not what's getting you excited. I'm reading, huh? I actually was reading a book called "Is God Calling Me?" by Jeff Orge, <laughs> and uh, that's when I realized maybe I'm not called to be an engineer. I'm, I'm, but I was stuck in between. You know, I, I had this sure. like I, I was stuck in between. Okay, I'm not an engineer, but I also didn't do well in, in ministry on campus before. So who am I? So that really led me down um, about a year, honestly, of wrestling in prayer and talking again to friends around me about who I was. What do you see in me? Um, what, what kind of gifts do you see? Passions do you see? And so the combination, I believe that God speaks to us in three ways. He speaks to us through his spirit and prayer, he speaks to us through his word and speaks to us to, um, speaks, speaks to us through the church, through our people that, that know us best. So, uh, through a, through a series of, of seeking God in those three ways, God began to clarify that I am calling you to lead my people in a different way. Um, so the skill set you have, the passions you have um, previously on campus, being a minister, trying to meet freshmen might not be the gift set you have, but what you do have is leadership, is strategic thinking, is team building that I think will, again, in hindsight, I'm seeing this now, right? Was God calling me to lead his people through church planting? So long answer to your question, but for, for me, it took about five years to get to where I knew my calling. Jacob, it's so fascinating to hear you talk about being on campus, knowing you now and seeing the success that you all have experienced, and to hear you say that you were a failure or that you were failing at those tasks. It's a, I think it's a really good lesson, a really important lesson for us to see that, that though at first things may not go easily for us, or there may be a struggle, there may be a challenge, that's not necessarily the final verdict on what's, on what's taken place or what God has planned for the future for us. Mm-hmm. But let me shift over to this idea of crisis for a minute, just drilling down a little bit more. It sounds like for you, the experience of crisis, the experience of challenge, of failure, of things not going well, it actually revealed your calling. Hmm. But for some right now, for many right now who are listening in, the crisis is not necessarily helping anything. Mm-hmm. For them, uh, if, if we're just looking at cultural trends, we th- see things like marijuana usage going up in states where it's legal and probably where it's not. Uh, gun sales are up all over the place. Uh, pornography is skyrocketing in use. So when you look at our culture, it seems like there are folks who are they're feeling afraid, they're feeling lonely, and they're not coping well uh, mm. with the crisis that is around them. So uh, their yeah. calling is not being revealed well. What does crisis cultivate, or maybe to say it this way, why does crisis cultivate calling in some, but for others, it seems like the, they cope in some pretty unhealthy ways? It's hmm. a good question. Yeah, it's obvious um, looking at cultural trends and even just personal trends. All of us are experiencing um, the harshness of this new reality in different ways, right? So, um, you know... When it comes to um, really anything in life, whether it's a crisis or it's a moment of, of clarity, um, you know, we learn to cope with reality in different ways. So when you're a kid, 
I'm watching this in my three-year-old already. He's coping with this new reality. He can't go to the park. He can't play with his friends. And he's mad about it. He's frustrated. And so, so already at three years old, I'm trying to parent him towards a, a desired future. Hey, man. Hey, buddy. You got a choice. You can choose to, to be a victim of your reality or you can choose to, and I'm not, he's only three. He can't understand this in this, these terms, right? But trying to help him see, hey, you can either be victim or, or respond to this negatively, or you can choose a new attitude, a new way to see this, to see this as an opportunity um, to grow. Or like we see all around us in our generation, um, we fall victim to this, the harshness of the, the coronavirus um, disorientation. So um, really all of us have a choice and that, that choice is a fork in the road. We can choose to, um, to, uh, to respond to this, this situation by wanting to cope with this in negative ways. So again, coping isn't a bad thing per se. Coping is simply a response. And so we can either choose to f- want to feel better through Netflix, through alcohol, through entertainment, through sleep, whatever your, your, your vice of choice looks like. We can all choose to simply wait it out and endure, or we can say, man, what is God up to? What could God be teaching me? What could God be doing in me, in us, in our community that could be revealing a, uh, a, a moment of clarity or, or calling? So um, it might be right now that many people, maybe not initially, but in this season, many people who've been searching for a purpose and calling in life find it right here, right now in the middle of this storm. Mm. As it happened to me 10 years ago, um, God began to pull away the idols I had established in my own heart, began to strip things from me. Uh, you know, we heard a couple of weeks ago from Josh Martin's sermon, this idea of the wilderness period is what reveals or exposes the idols in our lives, the things that we have um, functionally made to be gods that we have turned to for purpose, for vision, for comfort, for pleasure, whatever. When those things are now removed, there's a hole there, right? And we can fill that hole either with the things of God or the things of this world. And the things of this world bring destruction, bring death, bring brokenness. The things of God bring purpose, bring calling, bring vision. So there may be some people right now, people in college, people out of college, um, who this, this, this moment, God begins to reveal there's a hole here, either in your own hearts or in our society that I'm calling you to live into a new reality. So that could be a career choice change. This could be um, changing rhythms in your own personal life. But, but this is a moment that we can all choose to press into or choose to allow it to press against us and knock us down. So God's calling us, I think, to face the storm and see what he has for us. Jacob, it sounds like crisis often reveals our idols. So for some of us, we might have those idols exposed now. I mean, they may be coming to the surface, showing out. So if I've been social distancing as I should be, and during that time, I've just been smoking weed and listening to Wu-Tang, what should I do? Uh, What then? Once my idol, once our idols have been exposed, <laughs> what do you do with that? Brian, do you, Brian, do you know who Wu-Tang Clan is? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what's your question? How do we uh, probably yeah. walk forward knowing we've been exposed in our idols? 
Yeah. So for some of us, again, the, this idea that when crisis comes out, idols are, are exposed. We recognize them. We begin to see them. So if we are social distancing from others, then we're a little bit more isolated for some more than others. If, if we've not been in village, we're not hanging out with people, we're not connecting. So once those idols begin to emerge and we are in an isolated state, what do we do? Once our idols are exposed, what do you do with that? Hmm. That's a good question. I think one of the biggest idols that's been revealed in me and in those around me that I've seen have been the idols of comfort and of control. And so right now we're just, no one's in control. No one knows what's going on. And so what do you do when you feel out of control? What do you do when you feel the, um, the tension of that in your heart? And God's like, Hey, you know what? Nothing's promised. All of us, um, uh, don't know tomorrow. And so what do you, what do you do in that? And I, I saw this, this post from a guy named John Tyson, um, yesterday on, on Instagram, he posted this from his sermon. He, he preached about this kind of process in which we, um, as human beings, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we should be following to, to see ourselves through this wilderness period. So, um, he kind of talks about, um, this, this five-step process. So imagine in your mind, this kind of a clockwise circle. So starting with reality, um, this is the reality right now. This is a, a, a new world for us. And so we have to figure out what this looks like, but, but the, the experience that moves from reality is struggle. All of us are struggling financially, emotionally, relationally. There is now a struggle that's, a, that's, that's exposing our idols and exposing mm-hmm. a lack of control. And then ultimately he says from struggle has to be surrender. So as followers of Christ, we have to surrender our, our need and our obsession with control, our need um, to have our lives planned out. And so if we surrender our idols, surrender um, our control over to God, we move from surrender to resolve. And from resolve, we, we move into a new state of being, a new state of discipline, a new state of habit formation, and saying, you know what, God, I don't know my tomorrow, but I trust you. There's now resolve to, to take the faith you hold dear and get it in your bones. And if you, could get, if you can resolve that, that what, what lead, that leads to, what that ends in, is def- what he calls this defiant joy. Um, this is a, a joy that defies the odds, defies the cultural headwinds, defies the spiritual realities that we live and we operate in this defiant joy because we are. Um, as Christians, we are people that um, we live for the unseen reality. We live for heaven and the kingdom is crashing into earth and we are defying the kingdom of this world. Mm. So good, Jacob. Those idols of comfort and control and that resolve that we take to live in mm. defiant joy. So helpful. Mm. Okay, so you, you're a pastor, right? You're a planter. It's, it's easy to say those words. Mm-hmm. But let me let me press in a little bit and just ask you the question: How are you coping with all this specifically? Mm-hmm. You, you you and Jessica, your family. How are you dealing with the hard realities of the season? It's mm. really good. Yeah, I think uh, the way by which we're seeing um, our response to this mm-hmm. is uh, is through our kids. Oftentimes, so if anybody out there has any young kids, you know what I'm talking about. I got a three-year-old and a one-year-old and they are, they test our patients, um, on the daily, every minute of the day. Right. So, <laughs> so, you know, people ask you all the time, Hey, are you stressed out? Are you anxious? I'm like, no, I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good. And all of a sudden I'm realizing that I'm really short with my kids. I'm really I have a mm. short patience, a short temper. 
Uh, so they drive me crazy. And so there's on the surface, things are fine. And then I realized, oh, actually, if you dig a little bit deeper, I had some some pent up frustration, anger, even about this whole situation yeah. and being out of control. And so, so as a family, you know, Jess and I, my wife um, and I are trying to figure out how we, again, like everybody in this moment, not simply endure for a moment, but ask, what is God trying to say to us at a deeper level, at a bigger mm-hmm. level? Um, so as a family, we're trying to um, not simply react and, and simply uh, get a bandaid fix for our communication or conflict issues, but tr- really trying to dig deeper and say, you know, for better or for worse, this season is going to ingrain in all of us new habits. And so we're trying to go the better route. We're trying yeah. to say, hey, you know what? God's given us this season for a reason. And so how do we use this time to, to be more intentional as a family um, to, again, uh, to have more dance parties in the living room, to, 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 uh, to take more walks together, to take more bike rides. And so I'm trying to have more meaningful conversations with my kids, uh, not so much with my one-year-old, but more with my three-year-old. Uh, so, uh, so one way that I'm coping with this personally is that, man, God's been gracious enough to give us, um, we bought our house in Ellensburg. We actually, the owners, uh, the previous owners had a hot tub. And so we, we get to, my, my son and I, hop in the hot tub every morning. It's our morning routine. And so we chill out. We, uh, we hang out in there. We talk and kind of relax in there. So for about 30 minutes every morning, the world is right. Me and my son getting to hang out, talking about dinosaurs and all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, but for me, it's a moment to, to sit there, to, to be present. Um, that it's in this season more than ever, I've had to, I've had to fight to be so intentionally engaged so turning my phone off more often, um, not multitasking with my kids, but really trying to look them in the eyes and be present and, uh, and be, be the dad I should be to them. So, um, so we're, we're trying to figure it out. We're, we're trying to enjoy the, the outdoors and get outside um, as a family um, and not, again, get stuck in the house and just simply cope by turning the TV on and mm-hmm. doing the moment. But how do we be people that, that press forward and help teach our kids to do so as well? Jacob, at every other point in my life, when I've heard the word reason and season connected together in any kind of sentence, it's always been about Christmas and it's always, okay, why do we celebrate this stuff? It is fascinating that you bring up this point, the reason for the season, the season of isolation, the season of crisis, and you're asking us to consider the reason for it. I think that's a really important moment for us just to sit back and think, what is the reason behind this in God's plan? And in God's work around us, what is the reason he, he has us all at this time walking, mm-hmm. walking through some hard stuff? Yeah. Jacob, let me, let me ask you practically for someone who is isolated and turning to other things to cope, what would you say to them? What are practical next steps for more healthier? Uh, I shouldn't say it that way. What are practical next steps for healthy coping? It's great. Again, like I said before earlier today, I think um, we we need to go deeper um, in order to know what's beneath the surface. So we need some soul excavation to happen. So that that, that happens through um, through prayer. That happens through God's word. That happens through being in community. So if you are not engaging those three things right now, you have really um, a low chance of of practically going forward in this. So get in prayer, do some soul excavation. 
Um, ask God to reveal to you the things he wants to do in your life. And, and through prayer, God promises to reveal that to us. Um, get in his word um, and, and make sure that we're engaging truth and, and combating lies that we're believing in us. And lastly, again, I'd say, make sure you're a part of your village family. If, you, if you're a part of a, a church and a church family, man, get in a small group, get in a discipleship group and ask people around you, hey, I want you, even though we're disconnected um, on the video call, like, can you sense any tone, any attitude, any things in me that you can see? Hey, that's not who God's called you to be. Um, so for me, it's been really great to uh, to connect with my my small group, my village family every week mm. and, and process this out loud. As what I've already talked to you about today, as well as um, how I'm doing as a follower of Jesus. And so I would say, man, um, if you are not engaging those three elements, then those are weapons in your tool belt um, to fight against the, the principalities, the spiritual reality in our world. So to be somebody who practically sees uh, breakthrough, you've got to engage in these three principles or practices in your spiritual life. Jacob, in hearing you talk and process, you are, you're obviously taking into account the human side of things, the, the tangible, the physical that we see around us, but you're also talking about spiritual realities. You're bringing in the idea of God's kingdom. And for some, that's a new idea, some that, that seems like a little bit of an, an abstract thing. But it is clear that this crisis now is making us think more about big picture things, about what happens during life and beyond that. So this more holistic view. So crisis is helping us think about kingdom. But can you unpack a little bit about this idea of God's kingdom being here and now? What does that mean? And for those who are listening who may not know what that is, can, can you help us flesh that out just a little bit? Yeah, good question, Brian. Um, you know, I've been reading in um, the book of John the last uh, few weeks, and this, this theme has really been um, coming out more and more and seeing this, this idea of the kingdom is now. Um, Jesus is preaching this idea a lot. And so if you read through John 3 through 4 or so, um, you see Jesus preaching the kingdom of God is here, it's now. And so what's crazy is that um, Jesus is God in the flesh. He is ushering in the kingdom. He is healing people. He is, he is um, speaking with truth and authority. And, but it's clear that people who meet him are missing it. They're missing his message. They're, they, they're seeing in 2D, but Jesus is speaking almost in 3D language. And so Jesus first you know, meets a guy named Nicodemus, who is a Pharisee, comes to him at night. He's asking him questions about, hey, you know, I've heard you're this, this great teacher, this rabbi. Um, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, you have to be reborn. You have to be, you know, born again. He's like, what are you talking about? I can't be, you know, re-enter my mother's womb. <laughs> and Jesus is like, you're missing it, dude. You're, you're, not, you're not seeing it. Next door, you see um, Jesus go into Samaria and meets this woman at the well and tells her, hey, you know what? Could you give me a drink of water? And she's like, yeah. Um, he's, then he's like, actually, you know what? If you ask me for water, I have living water. And if you drank from this water, you would never be thirsty again. And she's like, how can I get this water? You don't have a, you don't have a bucket. He's like, you're missing it. This, you're, you're thinking in earthly terms. You're thinking in 2D. And, and then further on, you see the disciples return from town. They brought some food. And uh, they're like, hey, Jesus, you want some food? And he's like, no, I'm good. And they're like, did someone feed him lunch? What, what's, what's going on here? <laughs> and he's like, no, nah, guys, it's cool. I got food you don't know about. The food is, you know, is to do the will of the Father. They're like scratching their heads. What is he talking about? 
So Nicodemus missed it. The woman at the well, the well missed it. And even his own disciples missed it. And so I've been, I've been reflecting on this, this, this theme in my own life and asking the question, am I missing it? I've, thank God I've, I've had my eyes open to the reality of Christ and his kingdom once and for all back when I was 21 years old. But all of us, followers of Jesus, we, we are living in the kingdom now. The kingdom is here. It's God in our reality now as he was six months ago. The kingdom is, mm-hmm. is here now in the same way it was a year ago or six months ago. So do we see it? Are we seeing it? Are we seeing Jesus or are we missing it? Are we seeing in 2D? Are we simply seeing the earthly reality and missing the heavenly reality? Are we seeing um, sickness and brokenness and disease and hurt and pain and economic crisis and, and allowing ourselves, our eyes, so to speak, to be drawn to that? Or are we looking beyond those things to see, man, God is, is here. He's moving. Um, he's in our midst. And so I'm asking myself the question every day, God, help me to see you today. Help me to see the kingdom today and not get so focused, so caught up on what I see right in front of me, but help me to, to view what's beyond that and, and know um, where Christ is in my daily work, in my daily life and where I can join him in that and help others to experience him in that. So that's kind of what I mean mm-hmm. uh, when, when, I, when I think about the word kingdom. That word isn't really a, a word we use a lot in, in, um, in modern um, faith language, but it's this reality that God is here, God is now, God is near. And so will we choose to engage him or choose to allow our hearts and our eyes to be drifting towards something um, on earth rather than seeing who God is in the heavenly reality? Mm. Yeah, we, we may not use kingdom as much now uh, as as we should, but man, as we look at scripture, we see Jesus talking about kingdom all of the time. He is unpacking it. He is explaining it. I, I really appreciate, Jacob, how you, as you process through what's happening now, you're you're talking about the crisis around, you're, you're talking about past crisis and how you've walked through that. <laughs> you all are walking through it. You're, you're being vulnerable with us. You're being candid with us. So as, as you're processing coping, what challenge or what encouragement would you have for us? What would you call us to do or think or act? Hmm. Man, I think that the people of God um, were made for this moment. That, that God, again, has, has put us on the earth to be good news. And so the question, again, is for us today and this week is, are we being good news to our families, to our workplaces, to our neighbors? Um, because we have eternal joy. We have, we have a fountain of living water welling up in us, right? This is the, this is the Jesus reality in us. So again, the question is um, really practically, how can I be good news today? How can I re-understand good news in my life right now? How does Jesus and the reality of grace in my life just affect me to my core? And then how do I now turn and reflect that to the world? How do I be good news? Because again, the kingdom is now. Eternity is now for us. Our eternities are secure. We are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Therefore, that should give us immense confidence and courage in the here and now to help Mm -hmm. others experience this profound reality in Christ. If we let it, crisis can reveal calling our coping mechanisms and the kingdom. 
Well, thanks for joining us today for a conversation in the Resonate Sessions with Jacob Dahl. Join us next week as we come back for another conversation. Until then, may God continue to bless you as you continue to follow him. 